I hope Discord doesn't still say, oops, links are spoopy. No, they stop. Maybe you don't know about that, Ian? I'm very new to Discord. I joined it like two years ago for something to do with the other podcast and then never touched it again. Do they talk cute to you? They used to. And the one that just graded on me the most was when you clicked a link, you know, there's sort of a warning like, hey, you're about to leave Discord. Uh, the warning was, oops, links are spoopy. Oh, boy. When it was loading, it would like show you video game quotes like constructing additional pylons. I, OK, I remember that. Yeah. I mean, I still don't know what a Leroy Jenkins is, but it screamed it at me a lot. What a horrible night to have a podcast. This is episode 207 of the Insert Credit Show, our 2021 Spec Dracular. Joining me this Halloween evening is Video Game History Foundation's Frank Cifaldi. Oh, uh, hello. Uh, my name is Frank Cifaldi, and uh, I'm here. Frank, what kind of vampire slayer are you? Oh, uh, see, I, I want to slay them with my fashion, so I don't know what the adjective is there. Anyone want to help me there? Yeah, a, a, a bulge disliker. That's a, that's a reference that some people will enjoy. Slaves right. to, to fashion dislike bulges. I think that's from, isn't that from a Castlevania or is that from Chaos Wars or maybe it's from something stupid? <laughs> I don't know. I, all I know is I, I slay him with, with, with fashion. That voice you just heard is Necrosoft Games founder Brandon Sheffield. Hello. Uh, Brandon, what kind of vampire slayer are you? I'm a, I'm like a, a cook vampire slayer. I make extra garlicky items and, and convince the Draculas to eat them. Oh, I like that. You got one of those big poofy chef hats and mm -hmm. a cast iron pan. You probably do kind of like a Bugs Bunny thing, right? Where yeah. like all of a sudden you just have a chef hat and you, like you force them to sit at a table and you're like feeding them before they could get their bearings. Yeah, the table is suddenly there. I put a bib around their neck and yeah, they're like, exactly. huh? And they, but they already have the knife and fork in their hands. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're building a pretty good party here. Uh, rounding it out is our special ghost. Uh, nice. Video game documentarian Ian Ferguson. Uh, hello, uh, Ian. What kind of vampire slayer are you? I would probably be a, like a, a floral-based vampire slayer, if I recall correctly. They don't like rose branches and things like that. So uh, probably use true. flowers. That's a deep cut. Oh, that's good. Okay, so we got a fashion slayer, cook slayer, and a floral slayer. Oh, we're ready to go. Oh uh, yeah, we got this. So you three vampire slayers have been given the assignment of your careers to date. Every Halloween, the land is plagued by the rising castle of Gamer Dracula. Uh, your mission is to venture to the castle, storm the gates, and defeat the scourge within. But first, you're going to need to get there. How do video games best orient the player within a game's space and provide clear directions to a particular destination? Um, I think the best way is if uh, you're not quite center of the screen, you're left of center, and you're looking right, and then uh, you know to go right. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, that's a pretty good way to do it, uh, the side-scrolling method. I would also say I'm really big uh, on maps that simply just put a glowing point where I need to go and let me mm -hmm. walk to it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What if there's, like, stuff in the way? Well, that's when you get into the Disney stuff. Hirokazu Yasuhara, I've mentioned him a million times, he worked on Uncharted and showed me his thing that is based on how Disney theme parks are oriented, where you have mm -hmm, a mm -hmm. close... Short-term goal, you've got a medium-term goal, and then a big, giant goal that's out there, and you can see the big one at all times. So, like, from any point 
in the Disney park, you can see the big castle. They call that the weenie. Mm-hmm. That's gross. <laughs> but if, what if it were a Halloweenie? Then that would be ah, now we're on track. So yeah, if there's stuff in the way, as long as that stuff is interesting stuff, then it it's okay, even if you got a glowing, glowing arrow. Another thing that I think that's cool to do is what they do in, what is it, Ninja Gaiden Black or something, where they start you off in a river, and you can hear a waterfall, but you can't see it. So the waterfall's obviously behind you. And so you're in a corridor, actually. It, so you can go forward, and that's the obvious direction. It's the way you're facing. But you can also hear a waterfall, so you would be inclined to turn around and check out what's there. That's and good. so it sort of winds up teaching you a little bit about how there could be secrets. And it's also a good place to do wall jumps. I was um, at Disney recently, and uh, now that I know that that's how they set it up, it, it makes sense. The thing that I generally want to do is ride the Matterhorn, and the interesting things along the way uh, tend to be corn dogs and churros. So yeah, mm-hmm. that makes literal sense. Literal weenies. Yeah, literal weenies. There's a lot of tricks you can do with lighting that I don't entirely understand, but uh, I do know Kim Swift is pretty good at it, because that's how I learned about it when I was interviewing her i don't know forever ago and what was the game that was like portal like that she did something conundrum or something yeah quantic conundrum yeah i think that'll do it yeah it was a demo of that game at i think pax or something and you know i was i was there as gama sutra so it's like let's talk level design and and basically a lot of like framing of of hallways and 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 the way that light coming through the window can sort of point you in the direction you're meant to go there's a lot of magic to that where uh you just find yourself going where you're intended to go without even thinking about it. I also liked, I think it was a splinter cell or a rainbow six or one of those kinds of somethings that I don't play. It was, a, I think it was a Tom Clancy where they actually put objectives, text objectives projected as light on the walls. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. That ruled. I never played that game, but I, when I watched that trailer or the video about that, I was like, this is all I need from this video game that looks amazing thanks <laughs> am i allowed to bring up a, an example of, of a game absolutely doing horribly at showing you where to go because that's what pop- you're encouraged that's that's actually what's popping into mind um one of my favorite games killer seven has one of the worst map systems of all time it doesn't show you anywhere to go it doesn't show your character moving on the map it literally just shows you a floor and a couple of points of interest and then the moving in killer seven is so odd to begin with just along rails that it's really easy to get lost in that game for like 30 minutes and you shouldn't have to get lost at all on an on rails game man right right it's an on rails game i shouldn't have to spend time figuring out where i'm going it almost reminds me of some of those fmv games like d or whatever where they were kind of innovative for the time but they are totally on rails but you can also get lost because it's like wait which view of this do i have to go to the other thing from right you have to know that this corner of this room looks like this or else you get turned around and and as extra punishment you have to wait for it to load every time because they had to load those fmv sequences so yeah that's uh it reminds me of that and it kind of had a similar look to it as well i wonder if there was some purposeful legacy going on i really enjoyed d you could run out of time in that one though which always kind of screwed me up yeah d is hard to get through for me because at least on the Saturn it's extremely dark to look at so I was I was kind of like what is this a lot of the time and the other times I was kind of waiting and other times I don't know I really wanted to like it but um somehow even even knowing that like it takes two two hours to complete it it uh got intimidating all right well with those uh tools of the trade in mind you have arrived at the gates of Castle Gamer Dracula 
and you find the drawbridge closed and guarded by a terrible misshapen man who is wholly unpleasant to look at, performing all kinds of gross-out behavior in his animation cycle and making loud chewing sounds whenever he idles. Oh, is this the part where, where we respond to a, a listener question? Is that... <laughs> Not quite yet. Very rude. <laughs> uh, flies buzz around this man erratically as he says to you, to pass this bridge, Adventurers 3, name the very worst NPC. <laughs> oh, the worst NPC. I really, I have no love for Beetle in Zelda. Every time Beetle shows up in a Zelda game, uh, that uh, Vani, my, my oh, partner, yeah. plays, um, I, I, I dislike Beetle. Beetle makes a lot of uh, weird uh, noises. Um, a lot of the people in Zelda make weird noises. Capitalist tingle. Uh, capitalist, yes. A lot of talking. Yeah, just not really into Beetle at all. That's the first one that comes to mind. I guess the first ones that come to mind for me are all like actually terrible. So I'll just ignore ones that are like, I don't know, misogynist or whatever. Yeah, please let's um, omit those. We'll just leave Stricken those alone. from the record. But there's one which is not the NPC's fault where working designs, they liked to add their own stupid, terrible jokes and they made most of the NPCs pretty bad. But in exile the first exile game for pc engine as we all know they have a section where people are being burned at the stake so that and they put a bunch of barbecue jokes in there so one of the people getting burned at the stake says i hate mesquite and uh it's just so tasteless it's not the npc's fault but i do hate that that's what's happening out of context that doesn't seem so bad but i'm guessing it's just not the correct tone no, I mean, he's on, it, it's a guy being burned at the stake who's on fire. And I think that could be funny in the right context. The village has know. just been sacked. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess. If anyone would be allowed to comment on, on what they like or don't like about being burned at the stake, I think it would be the guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's supposed yeah. to be serious. Like, it's a joke while okay. se serious gotcha. stuff is happening and a town has been destroyed. And uh, this guy who's being burned alive says i hate mesquite what if mesquite is the guy who rounded him up and burned him and with his last breath he's cursing him yeah if it had been that would have been okay 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 disaster report four um interesting weird game uh, we've, we've discussed the series many times just play the second one and then then you're good but one of the features added in disaster report four is that um uh, there are many people walking around that you can walk up and talk to and get a line from just like, you know, an RPG or whatever. And it adds, you know, theoretically, it adds some color to the game, right? And in this game, I think they went a little wild with like, oh my God, we can get like 50 people in this scene. And so they do. And they all have lines. And all of the lines are basically variants of like, how will I get home? <laughs> You know, or like earthquakes are bad. Writer's nightmare. For yeah, it's an absolute writer's nightmare. And as a player, it's really hard not to have the compulsion to read all of the lines. So you're just right. running around getting fifty variants of, of the same line in every scene and it and it just slows the game down. It's really grating and, and uh I, I guess my least favorite is uh I don't know, guy in front of the convenience store probably says something pretty stupid. It's a good one to single out. The messenger. The, the shopkeep in that game is just spouting ex incredibly long didactic ideology nonsense at you. And then eventually, uh, once you unlock it, like do all this, all the stuff and listen to all their long winded stuff and they get some like, I, I can't remember. I've mentioned it on the show before, but some kind of weird 
nonsense that I don't know what what it was eugenics related or something terrible uh, came forward in that. But even before that, it's uh, I found it insufferable. Apparently, some people thought that it was funny, but uh, just any any NPC where the developers are like NPCs talk too long. We're going to make it a joke that this one talks way too long and you have to keep waiting through the dialogue every time you talk. To That's just it's not fun. That's a near. That is in near. Um, which character does that in near? I forget. Uh, the chief of the village in the forest. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I, that one didn't feel that purposeful to me. I mean, it didn't feel like he was making a point. It was just he was a rambly guy coming out of a dream state. And so it kind of made sense. All right. That's what I thought. I give Rossetti a pass here. I think it's uh, I, I think like Rossetti. I, I like Rossetti. Yeah, I hate Rossetti. Yeah. And you got to go out of your way to get him to do that, too. It's not like something that you normally do throughout the course of the game. And it's like it's fair to hate him, but like you're supposed to. Like right, that's yeah. it, and it's yeah. it's just you know it's it's a punishment that's not actually punishing. It's just annoying, and I I, I like it. All right, the horrible man, uh, heartened by your words of encouragement about Mister Rossetti. Wow, that worked. Uh, yeah, he uh, lowers the drawbridge. You enter the castle, which extends nonsensically in a myriad of directions. As you explore, the three of you reflect upon how to create good interior design for locations in video games. As you do the castle gradually begins to form into a more followable shape. First of all, the music in this castle. It's great, right, guys? I mean, wow. Yeah, it's great. It's wonderful. It's very good. Yeah. I like the marimbas. I'm impressed that they uh, created exactly 10,000 directions uh, because, <laughs> as we all know, a myriad <laughs> means 10,000, but mm -hmm. uh, myriad by itself means many. So uh, there's 10,000. Exactly. Yeah. What are we talking about? Interior design? Yeah, interior design in video games. I appreciate the use of translucence in interior design in video games. I want crystal. I want glass. I want things that look like they're see-through. I want dithering. It's a 2D game. I want everything mm. to look really pretty. Yeah, I was just uh, remarking recently. I was playing Yakuza 3, I think, and there were these big translucent tubes in the center of the, the cabaret club. And when you walked around them, like it was clearly some transparency going on. And you could walk behind them and I was like, why don't we do this more? Why don't we have cool transparent stuff? That's that's entire incredibly my thing. I love all of that. Yeah. It's still kind of computationally expensive, I guess is the is the actual reason. But like, let's do it. Let's get transparent stuff in there. It looks cool. Um, I like when a space is this is the opposite, but I like when a space is a little off putting and incorrect. Like, you know, you're in a weird dome and one of the edges seems more squished than the other. And it might not actually be. Maybe it's just weird lighting. But just I like when the when the uh, feng shui is off slightly. It's not built perfectly correctly. Can you cite any examples of that? Um, yeah. Uh, in Highlander, the Jaguar CD video game. Go on. Yeah, it's all um, pre-rendered CG, but it seems like they did it with sort of a from a fisheye lens perspective. And so you'll be in one space and the proportions of it will appear to change. It's screen by screen pre-rendered uh, like Resident Evil style. So it'll just feel like the place is bigger or smaller or there's a corner here or there isn't, depending on which area of it you're looking at because they, they kind of blew it out. I think uh, good interior design in video games is when there are props that you can knock around and or break. Yes. Pots and bullets. Like around you. Yeah, I was going to bring up that exact thing. And my <laughs> my example is actually uh, Demolition Man on the Sega CD because I was playing it late uh, recently. And 
the it's such a good game but the overhead stages i just remember being uh kind of impressed that there was uh, a lot of breakable stuff and it was breakable for no reason other than the fact that they wanted interaction in there and uh, i really appreciated that you could break like the the video screens and and stuff like that sometimes you get power-ups out of it but oh okay yeah just in general games need to give you like things to do as you're going from point a to point b that aren't like the main game mechanic you know totally. and, and being able to you know swipe swipe at chandeliers and watch them fall and break for no reason stuff like that like that should just always be happening if i'm if i'm in dracula's castle like i am right now you know i should be able to just run around breaking stuff and uh it brings to mind a, a game design that i still like which was uh whiplash uh on the ps2 and xbox uh which was a game you're, you're a weasel and you got a rabbit friend that's like chained to you and you like hit stuff with the rabbit and that's that's you might remember this you might not but what i liked about that game is and, and i think i read an interview or something um they're really bored by those games where you just collect a bunch of stuff that's floating around and so what they replaced that with was you're in the office building complex of of a fairly evil company and instead of collecting stuff you are finding everything of theirs that you can break in every section of the building um and there's a giant score of the company's net worth that counts down as you do that oh that's terrific yeah that's so this is a ps2 game yeah i need to look this one up i, I whiplash in, in 15 years of working like game retail i don't think i ever noticed that game come through or if i saw it i didn't think twice about it but that's fantastic that's a really good idea it's pretty funny um but <laughs> It's, I don't know. Who knows if it's problematic? It's been <laughs> like 20 years or something. Or it's got might, something, might to be it. something to it. I really appreciate when people do it, that kind of thing, but it isn't about destroying because obviously we all like to destroy stuff, but it's cool when a game does it in a way that's just mischievous and not specifically destructive. So Grandi is a good example because you can like knock over a broom handle. It doesn't break. It just falls down. You can like go up to a pot and it'll bubble or you can spin a plant around and it, it's just like these little much more innocent interactions because the protagonists are kids uh well the trail of broken props is what leads you into a mausoleum where the deceased servants and relations of gamer dracula are kept they begin to rise as ghosts and zombies try to stop you in your path like the rising dead what attempted comebacks in video game history have been the most abominable? Oh. Uh, I mean, I've never played it or even seen screenshots, but uh, Shaq Fu for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Duke Nukem Forever is one, obviously, that I think should be mentioned. But Shaq Fu, oh, yeah. um, I got that for free because I, I, I liked well enough the NBA Playgrounds game. Um, and I bought it on the Switch and whatever. There was problems with it. So they gave me Shaq Fu 2 for free. And my buddy and I sat down and we didn't even get all the way through the first stage. It's the only game to this day that I have deleted completely off my Switch. Wow. So that there is no memory of it. Not only does it play horribly, but it's just racist as shit. Like, it's just really? so bad. In the first stage you get like, it, it's like a, a cavalcade of, of Chinese laundry jokes. Wow. Cool. And, and wow. this came out, what, like last year, two years two ago? Two years ago. It's bad man like it's it's an awful awful game see there's no Gee. way it couldn't be there's no way that like anyone sincerely wanted to make or play a new shack Fu. like it's it's just impossible that there would be a good comeback here because comeback from what i mean the same with bubsy right it's like uh, it's just it's bubsy dude no one cares no one ever liked bubsy okay fine there's like 
couple guys in 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 our discord that genuinely like bubsy and joined to uh <laughs> go into our smack talk bubsy channel in in our discord to like defend bubsy it's a little yeah take that to ulililia <laughs> well bubsy can get really high up i appreciate that you know me and ulililia appreciate the same thing about bubsy his height but uh it's not a comeback if no one genuinely liked it the first time Right. Or if it's been like forgotten about for a long enough time, if we ever see an Earthworm Jim 4, that's going to be on the list of awful comebacks, too. That will not be good at all. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of forgettable and forgotten ones. I remember at some point I was like, man, you know, someone should make a Strider game that's like a Metroidvania. And then someone else reminded me they did do that. Yep. Yeah. I was like, oh. <laughs> They've tried to bring back Strider twice. Strider 2, I actually really like, but that like one Strider, I downloaded it. It was like $4.99 on sale. I was super pumped to play it and never touched it. Yeah. And there's the Captain Commando full 3D comeback. Some people liked it, but I feel like at this I point, know it's, about that. It's, it's largely forgotten. Like Final Fight Streetwise or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Streetwise. Uh, Streetwise. Yeah. That was not so good. That was done by Capcom USA primarily. Okay. It was the last Saturn release. The STV port to the Saturn was the last Saturn in 2000. Wow, I didn't know that was even on Saturn. Okay. Um, oh, oh, sorry. That, that's not... Streetwise is the PS2 one. Um, Final yeah. Fight Revenge is the Saturn one. Got it. Right. Okay. Okay. There, was, there was another bad reboot that nobody That wanted. one was a 3D fighter, right? It was a 3D fighter. Late PS2 and early 360 was really weird for that. We got that Rygar reboot that was just like a God of War clone that went nowhere. Uh, Tim loves that one. We got the Shinobi reboot, which I heard was actually pretty good, but I never played it. That never went anywhere. And then we got that Golden Axe reboot on the 360. Oh, yeah. That was real bad. Yeah, that was awful. Oh, and Shadowrun was another one. Um, talk about a letdown on the 360, taking Shadowrun and turning it into a multiplayer-only first-person shooter. I was particularly upset about that. Man, imagine just seeing that in a store and liking Shadowrun and being like, oh my god, there's a Shadowrun game. I was very nearly that. And luckily I looked into it a little bit first because I was just getting back into like modern gaming at that time. And I was like, fuck yeah, Shadowrun. I love Shadowrun. I was like, oh, I don't I don't love this at all. This is not something I'm going to be purchasing. Though I have not played it. What I've heard is that it's a decent first person shooter where if it weren't called Shadowrun, people might like. It. Yeah. yeah. And that's a lot of things with like names and stuff attached to them. I mean, they're probably decent, you know, well-made games, but it's not at all what that person is looking for. I think the main problem Shadowrun people have with, say, cyberpunk is not enough goblins. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Possible. I just remembered the, I don't know, maybe maybe this is too awful, but it feels like the, the ultimate to me when the uh, the Valis series, which fans of the show will know that I love very much, Same. got sold to a, uh, a hentai company and then it yeah. was just all of the protagonists getting violated by tentacle monsters. Um, Whoa, that happened? So that happened. They made two of them it's called Valis. That sounds X. like a nightmare. Yeah, it's it's um it's definitely the worst thing that ever happened to any video game series that I liked. Yeah, that that's unimaginable to me that that would happen. Yeah, well, it sure did. Uh, they were selling off their their assets or licensing stuff out because they needed the money and they were trying to stay afloat. And they they made that choice, which I, I do not respect. Yeah, no, that's real bad. The undead hordes are so horrified by that story that they return to their graves and let you pass. Nice. Uh, as you venture further into the castle, unease creeps through your spines as the gray stones give way to red brick and the floor below you turns to hardwood. 
<laughs> as you venture further into the castle, unease creeps through your spines as the gray stones give way to red brick and the floor below you turns to hardwood. A single microphone is in your path, and as you look to the side, you see you are upon a stage observed by an audience of raucous ghouls. You have entered the most frightening of zones. Oh no. The improv zone. Oh crap. <laughs> the monster of scaremonies asks for a suggestion <laughs> from the audience. And one of the ghouls shouts, Monster Mash! The three of you must commit to a bit about being at a party for video game monsters. Frank, you're the host trying to keep things running smoothly. Brandon, you're trying to make professional business connections at this party. Ian, you're just having a good time. I'm having a blast right now. To clarify, we're not monsters. No, you are not monsters. Everyone else at the party are, is monsters from video games. Okay, I gotta think of some monsters from video games. The host is also not a monster? Uh, no, uh, you're just throwing the party. You're very popular. So here here we are at this um, party for monster.com. Uh, and so that's why I'm trying to network, because this this is the monster.com party, right? Like, that's we're, we're all here to network? Is that what I'm, what I'm understanding? Well, yeah, networking, you know, uh, you can certainly try to network with the uh, monsters, but, you know, I, I think really... You want to start a little slow with with the monsters, you know, just just warm up to them a little bit. They're not I don't know. How do I say this? They're monsters. You know what I mean? Like, like okay. you want to anyway, just just come on inside, man. Like, you know, just have a good time. You know, we've got uh, we've got punch um, and it's uh, you know, it's, it's kind of cute because there's like a little boxing glove in there. You know, um, there's nice. uh, some some games. Uh, the monsters, you know, well, it looks like they kind of ate some, but. You know, just ha just have a good time, man. Just 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 monster mash, everyone. Is that Bowser over there? Uh, I, I hear he's a he's a he's a king of somewhere, right? He's the hot bone daddy of the Mushroom Kingdom. Uh, I love oh. Bowser. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm glad to see you're having such a good time. I am. I've been really <laughs> enjoying the uh, the snacks. Uh, I've been loving the snacks. The peeled grapes, his eyeballs have been fantastic. The yeah. uh, cold spaghetti, as brains, has been uh, fantastic as well. I never knew I could enjoy cold spaghetti so much. Take my card, by the way. As as, as a another human, I feel like we should we should exchange business. You have a business card. I, I do. Let me let me fetch mine for you. Okay. Oh wow, that says uh, party animal. On yep, that's, that's exactly a, that's what a, I do. I just party all the time. Wow. That's that's pretty good. Well, there's a literal party animal uh, in a bedroom upstairs. He's alone, though. I don't know. You know, it's kind of weird. He's alone. Maybe he shouldn't go up there. Is it the wolf man? No, his name is actually party animal. Oh, I see. My bad. Oh, I got lost on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Jaffe, this one's too difficult because we, we this one's too tough. OK, because we, we can't interact with each other like all the monsters. <laughs> like, we, how do we talk to the monsters if if we're just Look, I'm here trying to find some hot Medusa ladies. You're breaking the scene. You're breaking the scene. <laughs> because uh, we don't have things to say to each other about this party. Like, Ian is having a good time. Yes. Why can't you? <laughs> uh, the three of you are being ushered off stage by a series of booze, but it's okay because they're ghosts. <laughs> uh, from there, we arrive at the castle's bathroom, which is a good time for us to take a short break. Nice. Oh, 
what a disaster. I love I bro- it. I broke the scene, but for those you got to put us like in a scenario where we got a, a thing to do. I was thinking you were going to talk to each other about the monsters. Improv just freezes me. Like it's a, it's a, it's a Oh, it freezes stress. everybody. This no, is a yeah, terrible it's, segment. It's, it's the worst, but talking but to each other like, about- But I was like, what's the most frightening thing I could put in this episode? <laughs> like talking to each other about the monsters could have worked if we knew who was there or something, but like yeah. having having to think of the monsters and things to say to and about them, or I mean, just about them because we can't talk to them. That was a oh a yeah, it was a bad idea. Fun. It was a terrible idea. <laughs> I, yeah, it would have taken a miracle for you to get through that. But sometimes I believe in you, and I appreciate you correcting that. We, we almost we almost got it. you. You tried a valiant effort. Past the bathrooms, you find a locked door to the staircase to the upper floors of the castle. Uh, beside it is a large bag marked with a golden key, a bag filled with dirt. It's time to dive into the dirt bag. You said it had a tea on it? Yeah, it had a key on it. Oh, I thought you were saying it was a tea bag. No, 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 no. It has a large golden key on it, as if to indicate that there is a key inside that you have to dig through the okay. dirt to get. I get it. I get it. Is the scene set for you now? It is now set. <laughs> All right. This is the part of the show where we answer questions from our subscribers on patreon.com slash insert credit, where they can not only directly submit topics, but also access regular episodes one day early. You didn't go through this. With- Did you get a brief on it? Okay. One no. day early. <laughs> one day early and get exclusive bonus episodes and other tricks and treats every month. Tonight, we have three questions. Uh, the first is from Dusty, who asks, what is the DMC DeLorean of video games? Devil May Cry's DeLorean. Uh, so he drives a motorcycle. It's a motorcycle. <laughs> it's a good answer. <laughs> good answer. <laughs> I solved it. Yeah. Uh, the DMC DeLorean of video games. So that's like something that wasn't actually that good, even at the time, but it looked distinctive and people remember it. It's a power glove. Yeah. Ah, yeah. That's a good answer. Yep. I or the U-Force, something like that. I mean, the, the, yeah. the power glove is far more remembered. It looked cool, but it was shitty. Yeah, it's iconic. Mm, no, I, I think there's irony to the power glove. There's no irony to the DeLorean. Like people... Yeah, there is. People like the DeLorean because of Back to the Future. Is that irony or is it just nerd stuff? I uh, mean, I don't think that there's that much irony to the power glove, unfortunately. Like, if you look at no. the, those YouTube stills of somebody, like, hold, like, they believe oh, that sure. they are super cool. All right. There was literally, like, forever. I mean, there was years yeah. where every person who did uh, YouTube had, like, a picture of themselves in the power glove looking yes. badass. Yeah, yeah right, they, you're they, right. Uh, Spencer asks, do you sit through video game credits? I do. No, I'm sorry. On my phone, but yeah. Yeah, I absolutely do. I like I like seeing if there's anything weird in there. What are you looking for? Any special shout outs that are strange? Yeah, that's fair. Brandon? Usually I don't. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> if there's a, a, like a speed through button, I'll watch them faster. But like having played mostly Yakuza games for the last couple of years, yeah. uh, yep. those ending credits are like five minutes long and you have to sit through them. But I will go and get a drink or whatever. Like, uh, you know, I'm, so, I'm sorry yeah. to all of them, but there's a lot of people that make those games. One time I sat through, uh, it was for Arkham City, I sat through the credits because I, I thought it was a fake out ending because it was really bad. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. It was just the ending and I, I didn't believe it. it Joker like, sings a little song. It's okay. Mox Bagel asks, 
if the shareware boom never ended and you basically had to have a playable demo with the first few levels to be viable, which games become more successful? Uh, all of the successful mobile games right now. Yeah. Hopefully get in the car loser becomes very successful. That's as we discussed last yeah, week. Yeah. That's basically this model. What games become successful? Yeah. I do think that it's like all the mobile games have those kinds of talents that they can hook into you to, to get you to keep playing. The common feeling about demos is that unless you're a very specific kind of game, people will be satisfied with just that demo. And mm -hmm. there's a danger in making something that's just like good enough that people get that experience. Like imagine if a short hike was a demo for a longer game. You'd never you'd never touch it. For a long hike. Right. I was I was thinking, I don't know about ones that would be better. I'm sorry that I keep going with the opposite of these questions, but like, um, welcome to insert credit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, yeah, that was a problem. I was wholly satisfied with most shareware demos as a kid because they were free and they were fun. I was thinking that it might be a reasonable meth, uh, model for like serialized, like point and click style games that are, you know, popular now or that were popular, especially with telltale, but I don't know how many people just play the first episode and fall off. Most of them. I think, yeah, yeah. like I, I genuinely think it's going to be most. Uh, yeah, be, but I don't know. I, I should ask somebody. I bet that's true. Back in the days with Sam and Max, they said it was extremely fall fall offy. I'm sure it was because uh, you complete the game, you know, right, and like right. the, you're you're done and like you have to like hype yourself back up for another one. There's no I mean, there was cliffhangers and stuff, at least a little bit. But um, funny enough, I, I actually think 2016 Doom would, would hmm. be a successful shareware game because that first level oh, is so good. Amazing. That that opening to that game is amazing, and it makes you think that's all you ever want to play for the rest of your life. I I actually watch a video of that opening every once in a while just to get pumped up. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I really, it's really really good. I thought you were going to say every morning. No, I, I mean <laughs> honestly, it might be something worth trying. Uh, you know, better than coffee, but it's a great one. I prefer Doom Eternal. The end. <laughs> all right, playing it or the opening. Playing, I don't even remember the opening of Dune twenty six. I can't play that game, man. I don't know. I've tried. I've tried like five times. It's just too hard. I have the the opposite. Well, I didn't play it on any difficult kind of level. Right. You've retrieved the key from the dirt bag. Uh, so the three of you begin to ascend the winding staircase into a room filled with beakers and bubbling chemicals and machines of inscrutable purpose nice. and a stone slab under a skylight and body parts strewn about everywhere. Oh, this is a uh, monster's castle. I'm going to smash these for power-ups. Uh, <laughs> suddenly, the doors slam shut and you're locked inside. A mad scientist who serves gamer Dracula tells you that the only way she'll allow you to proceed is to assist in her research. Which two unrelated video games would you Frankenstein together into a better game? First of all, what's she so mad about? Um, uh, the pay, mostly. Okay. She's living in Dracula's castle. Yeah, Gamer Dracula only rises up to torture people once a year. It's not yeah. a great gig. Right, that makes sense. Okay, so we're Frankensigning two games. Yeah, um, I would like to propose that we continue the lineage of Final Lap Twin and whatever the uh, tennis one is called. World Court. And uh, slap Dragon Quest on something. Okay, um, Dragon Quest on Yakuza. Lol. Oh, did didn't that already happen? <laughs> happen? I haven't yes. played it yet, but... Air horn sound, air horn sound. Womp womp. It's my least favorite Yakuza, but it's still good. Still Yakuza. Yep. Well, sort of. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we slap Dragon Quest on Ridge Racer. Yes. 
Well, it's just playing a lap toy, right? But that, that's yeah. <laughs> but man, I would absolutely play a, an RPG Ridge Racer. Did anyone yeah. here ever play Racing Lagoon? Yep. There's a translation project for it now, and I kind of want to play it. I don't know if it's actually that though. I mean, it's fun. Are you describing a turn-based racing game? It's not turn-based racing. It's that you get into random battles and suddenly you're racing. Right. Yeah. Oh. And another example would be whatever that way forward game is, where like suddenly your random battles are like. Uh, horizontal shooters sigma star yeah 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 like how undertale is a toho rpg uh, yeah it, uh, it's different kind of, okay it, oh, yeah. it's it's similar i don't know maybe this isn't right <laughs> undertale has multiple different mechanics though i think yeah um, yeah i would like to see cooking mama style gameplay applied to other things oh yeah i'm just okay. not sure what yet i'm thinking about that but I get really into the, I mean, it's known to you guys, but I, I, I love food. I'm into food. That's all I really think about uh, is, is food. And I get thinking about what the culinary world is like in other video games. So mixing Cooking Mama with other video games could be interesting. Mixing Cooking Mama with Pokemon. I want to know what people actually eat over there. Pokemama. Uh, Pokemama. Uh, Dark Souls. Do they eat anything? What are we making? Is it disgusting? Mm-hmm. Man, it gets yeah. real weird in Pokemon when when they start talking about how like people actually raise Pokemon for food and stuff. It's just a little strange when they're all supposed to be your little buddies, but also you make them fight each other and also you eat them, but you're supposed to be mad when like team skull is taking slowpoke tails or something. I don't know. They, they, Do they, they talk a... about eating Pokemon in those games? Like positively? I believe it has been mentioned. I don't recall that. However, what I do recall that made me weird was like two weeks ago, I was watching an episode of Pokemon because it's one of the only TV shows my brain can handle. And it's just it's just mush at the end of the day. And uh, there was a whole episode about Miltank, which is the, uh, the cute cow, cow that has four very pronounced udders. They were talking about milking it and drinking its milk. And it was just a little too much for me. I it was it was very strange. Yeah, that's one of the weirder Pokemon. But uh, we're at under 230 and we need at least one good Frankenstein. Okay, and Animal Crossing with Zelda Dungeons. Oh, yeah. That's uh, Stardew Valley. Oh, it is, isn't it? I'm looking at a, <laughs> an article on thegamer.com, which is 15 confirmed Pokemon that humans eat. So just so Ooh. you know. That is not answering uh, Daffy's request here. Come on. It is not, but I just wanted to let you know. They eat them. Cooking Mama mixed with the Odyssey games, since those are all about like raising and eating aliens. That could be weird. Hmm. Literally yeah. munches Odyssey. Yeah. Okay, I'll take that. Kind of gross. Can we top that? We've got a minute left. Um, I want to play a game that is um this this is barely a Frankenstein, I guess. Maybe I can't top it, but uh, I love that cross swords game for for Neo Geo. Mm-hmm. I would be happier playing a Dark Souls that was cross swords style, where you're you're like behind the back first person, and it's uh it's side scrolling. I would I would love to play cross souls. Uh, yeah, cross souls demake. I think that would be cool, but that's not that's not the good answer. Um, Mario and Sonic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a good one. Maybe yeah. they're losing. Yeah, <laughs> not at the Olympic Games though. They have to just no. be running and jumping in their regular worlds. Yeah, do a little bit of dressage, but not officially. What about Pokemon and um, Sonic Adventure and the Chow Raising game is Pokemon? Yeah, oh, I can do that. Yeah. There have been games like that before, but I feel like there's room for improvement. And it is sell a million copies. So uh, finally, this mad scientist has found a little bit of job satisfaction in crafting these Frankensteins with you. And uh, is a little less mad now. 
uh, which means uh, you're allowed to pass into the final vestibule, which will take you to Gamer Dracula's throne room. I love a good vestibule. But with its dim lighting and jump scare concealing corners, you must tread carefully towards your destination as you consider how do video games invoke horror in a way that other mediums cannot? Yeah, well, I mean, the main thing is you got to do it yourself. Yeah. And I remember this specific moment in, I think it was Resident Evil 2, but it could have been Silent Hill. But I think it was Resident Evil 2. I was impressed because Silent Hill, Silent Hill scared the heck out of me. But I was impressed that Resident Evil 2 managed to scare me as well because there was this like, I can't remember what it was, but there was a spooky scene of someone like getting dissected on a table or something like that. And I could only see a little bit of what was happening, but I knew that that was where I needed to go. And so it's like, I have to walk into this room that I know is spooky and it's going to scare me. That's the thing that games can do that other media can't. Like movies can put you into horrifying situations where you have no control because the protagonist is doing something you think is stupid or whatever, but they can't give you that feeling of, oh crap, now I have to go and face this problem. Yeah, uh, I agree because it's all on it's all on you to make the progress. So mm-hmm. You know, a movie can show you something horrible, but it's going to progress without you. Um, A book can tell you about something and you can decide when to turn the page. But mixing the visual and the fact that you have to progress to reach the end is fairly unique to video games. I think it's like there's a lot more lingering on a horrifying situation, I think, in a video game. Yeah. I mean, even just the moments, I don't know, I'm thinking of a moment in Silent Hill 2 where it's like there's a hole and you have to reach inside of it. And, you know, literally all you do is press a button to like confirm yes reach inside of it but you have to press that button <laughs> you know like that like that is on you to do that and and, and then you got to watch him slowly reach in there <laughs> like, yeah the watching is like just the watching part right but you had to make him do that and also yeah. now that you pressed that button once that that's your arm now you know? right and like that that's kind of magic Games can also take away control, like in Silent Hill 3, yeah. when you get into that goddamn room where all your health bleeds away and the sound gets louder and the everything, fit, like blood is creeping up the walls and you're locked in there and you can't get out of there. And eventually what happens is it just lets you out with almost no health left. And it was just like a, a terrible trap. But you're like, I can't do anything. There's nothing I can do here. I'm trapped. I'm going to die. Like it takes away control without taking away control because you can still move around. Um, and that's that's pretty wild stuff. I was just thinking also, you know, the fact that, you know, a lot of games will put you into a you're the character or a first person mode. I, I think back to when I was younger, one of the first games that scared me. And it, it honestly still does a fairly decent job of it, probably just because of association is Crypt of Medea, which was on like the Apple II and probably some other computers. But the the old like graphic adventure games before you could even move around where it was just like a static image and a parser. But, you know, it was your viewpoint. It was what you saw. It was very crude images, but just having some sort of visuals conveyed to you and, you know, them reasserting that you are the main character here was a, a different type of terror than or, or horror than reading about a story happening to someone else. Yeah, video games are pretty good at this stuff. Oh, another thing that they can do that's real cool is um, sound triggers based on yeah. movement. Like if you cross this threshold, you can randomly hear a spooky sound sometimes um, mm. like that. I love that kind of stuff. The first game that did that to me was uh, Alien versus Predator on the Jaguar. I keep talking about a dang Jaguar. It's such a stupid, pointless console. Um, but when you're walking around, you know how in, in Predator, the movie, 
the the predators would record things that your dead friends say and then speak it back to you mm-hmm. in this game it's a first person shooter and you're you're just going around and especially in times where nothing is happening and everything's empty and you're just sort of waiting for something happen to happen that, like someone will whisper like get back to you out of, out of nowhere and it's it's like yeah good stuff yeah that's creepy yeah, sound is is really, I think, one of the big things that video games can utilize to, you know, accentuate what they're doing in terms of presenting horror or scares. Um, the only time I've ever thrown a controller in my life was when I got scared at a sound in a video game. And it wasn't even a horror game. It was Metal Gear Solid on the original PlayStation. And I got <laughs> seen after like five minutes of not being seen. And I thought I was in the clear and that stupid, you know, sound goes off and i i i lost it the controller i didn't throw it across the room it was one of those i was very scared and i popped it up and it hit the ceiling and then fell and hit the ground i was so i was so terrified man that you had a real uh cartoon moment there (laughs) oh i did yeah (laughs) absolutely if you had a bow tie it would have spun right off yes yeah that's good stuff that's very good you've arrived at the final door before the throne room, but guarding it is a floating skeletal figure of the Grim Reaper himself, Gamer Dracula's best friend. Uh, Before he claims your souls, though, you know that you have the right to challenge him to a game. Which competitive video games do you think you'd have the best chance of beating death in? All of us individually. WarioWare. The only video game I'm good at is Fire Pro Wrestling. Okay. Oh, nice. It's literally the only game I've ever gotten reasonably good at. Any version I feel like I could safely take on just about anyone who wanted to play me. Um, that's probably it, though. Frank, isn't it Oendon for you? So my answer was uh, WarioWare on the GameCube, oh. which was the multiplayer one, because I think there's a good chance that Gamer Dracula hasn't played WarioWare. Maybe I'm wrong. He is a gamer. Uh, you're competing against Death, not Gamer Dracula. Oh, de- oh, right, right. It's Death. So Death probably has not played WarioWare. And that is a game where... If you don't know the micro games ahead of time, you are at a severe disadvantage. You can't oh, yeah. just get good because it's just changing the rules on you constantly. I haven't personally played it in 10 years, but I still think I got him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Any sort of experience with that game versus a fresh start, you would absolutely take on death. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You'd wreck him. I'm not very good at anything. Um, I, I was happy when uh, in college I was playing games against Vincent Diamante. We met in college before we started into credit. And uh, he he beat me at basically everything. He beat me at Puyo Puyo. That's part of our origin story. He beat me at Oscar 120%. I got a little better at that, so we're kind of at parity now. But, um, you know, he, he would pretty much beat me at everything. But then we played the um, two-player Sonic 2 uh, competitive <laughs> yeah. thing where you would try to go through the level quickly and efficiently. And uh, I was much better at that than he was i would love to play that with you the only person i've ever 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 played that with in my life is my brother and i got super good at that so i actually next time you come down or i see you i have to play that with you i have to know who's better let's do it i feel like you could probably beat death at gun sport because he'd keep trying to jump at the ball yeah that's um i guess that's not it's probably not fair to have it be my own video game. Yeah. Because uh, I could probably beat most people at those. Why are you trying to be fair against death? <laughs> That's yeah. a good point. Okay, wait. Here's a, here's a good answer. It's similar to Frank's in that it's a game that probably not many people have played, but I have played a lot. Landmaker, uh, an arcade game on the Taito F3 board, which also had a PlayStation release. A weird puzzle game, right? Yeah, it's a weird, uh, rather than falling block, rising block puzzle game where you're building structures. And I've played that so much and I play it against friends whenever they come 
over here for GDC or whatever. And uh, I'm the, the best person at it of all the people that I know. <laughs> so Landmaker, that's the one that I would beat Death at because Death has probably not played Landmaker. I don't play games competitively like hardly ever, but um, one that I have played competitively and found that I was exceptional at was Elite Beat Agents. Yeah that, yeah, that was the one that you were always really good at. Yeah, I'm good at that one. I can beat Lee Alexander. I can beat Death. That's yeah. a great argument. And mm-hmm. uh, with all three of you having found games that you could beat Death at, uh, he has no choice but to let you through the final door. Before you, sitting on a red velvet throne with a six-axis controller in hand, is Gamer Dracula. He flings the controller away like a cartoon character, frightened by your sudden entrance, and then regains his composure to whoosh his cape in a dramatic fashion as you prepare yourselves for the final battle. But this is not your first fight. What are the greatest boss battles in video games? This is almost a cop-out answer, and and I mean, I just said Lee Alexander's name, so maybe I'm just bringing up a thing she wrote, but uh, I often think of the end for Metal yeah. Gear Solid 3 yep. mm-hmm. as a particularly great boss fight. So this is one where dude is a really good sniper, and uh, he is up in the forest somewhere. You don't know where. It's random every time uh, finding you and shooting you, and you are um crawling around in the dirt uh slowly trying to stay out of his sight and you're trying to figure out where he is and all you really have is like you might catch the glint of his scope by looking around or you have i think a heartbeat uh microphone uh that's very sensitive and you might be able to find his breathing um but other than that you're just on your own against like this really good sniper and uh i mean i was just in sheer terror crawling around like literally an hour and it's not like i kept dying it was like one life for an hour uh just trying to survive that alone makes it really memorable but then all the the weird other ways that you can kill him (laughs) that aren't playing it straight like waiting waiting a certain amount of time for him to die and stuff yeah yeah you you can you can save your game and then come back two weeks later and he dies of old age (laughs) it's funny that we're like bringing up so much metal gear because i I haven't really played a lot of it but my one of my answers would have been psycho mantis in the first metal gear solid um oh yeah where you have to plug it into the second control port to, uh, you know, avoid his telekinetic attacks. Like, it's genius. <laughs> it's very, very clever. It doesn't work anymore. I, I don't it? know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe, maybe whatever you're playing it on. It's just, it was very like, plug it into port two. On oh, your yeah, system, sure. You know? Right. Um, I would also mention, I always like the the single player is never really thought of when it comes to Splatoon, but it is a Nintendo IP that I do like a lot from recent years. Um, and the final boss for the first Splatoon single player was really cool. It was a DJ alien and they just did a very nice set piece of it. And it was, um, multiple stages and it was one that always kind of sticks out in my head. Um, personally for me, I don't think it's a particularly great boss fight, but when I think of bosses, when someone mentions, uh you know a boss in a video game i immediately think of the first palace boss in zelda 2 which is uh that horse-headed thing with a club um partially because it terrifies me and partially because i had just never really seen anything like that at the time and it's a real simple boss you jump up and you hit it but i don't know it always sticks out in my head i only just learned right now that splatoon has a single player mode Hmm. yeah one two and three and they all have really really weird backstories the only mammals in the splatoon world are judd the cat and his clone judd jr huh yeah i just you know i i saw splatoon as a thing that a lot of people were playing multiplayer and it just gave such a not for me vibe that i just never never touched it and uh but knowing there's single player 
It takes know. place thousands of years after the fall of mankind. It's basically near Automata. <laughs> That's fair. It, the single player stuff is kind of weirdly dark and it's very post-apocalyptic. Um, and I wish I liked it more because like you, I'm not super into like online stuff or shooters, but uh, they, they've done some work making interesting backstory to it. So I don't like boss battles very much. I think I've made this known on the show before. I find them mostly a hindrance to uh, my fun having, but one that I enjoy is in Ray's Amber 3 on the PC Engine. That's a shooting game. There is a level that is just a boss. It's a huge, huge boss that you're flying all around. And so like each each screen essentially is a section of the boss of this giant boss that is so big that like 50, 50 TV screens could not contain it. Oh, wow. Maybe 50 is an exagger- exaggeration. 20, let's say. Um, but you have all these different parts of it that you are fighting and it's basically you know it's a level where you're fighting against things that are that are there but it's it's all part of one big boss and that you're ultimately destroying and uh, i like that thought that was cool yeah those are great i was actually going to mention level three of the first r type which is probably a smaller version of that but most r types have it um but yeah level three of the first r type was the first time i saw it it's a big warship and it's one of my favorite levels and you go around the entire thing and that is your, yeah. your, the whole purpose of that level is to take out the warship. You go under it, behind it, above it, and then finally there's a final core that you attack. And I, I always thought those were really fun levels. Yeah, I think R-Type Final is a good example of boss fights. So one of the things I don't like about boss fights is all the pattern recognition and mem- memorization that you have to do. I just don't, that doesn't engage me very much. But in R-Type Final, it it feels more purposeful and the the patterns are enjoyable to interact with in a way that I can't quite describe because it's basically the same thing, but better. But it actually works for me in R-Type Final. Final boss of all three Mother Games. The end. Go. All right. Well, using your side-scrolling shooter planes, you all managed to take down Gamer Dracula. Uh, but with his final breath, he hits a button that makes the castle start to crumble around you, which means it's time for our frightening round. In oh, order frightening. to escape the castle in time, we have to come up with 13 Crypt Keeper-style spooky video game names. For example, Street Fighter becomes Street Frighter. Yeah, okay. You have five minutes. Get ready. Go. Oh, jeez. I'm not good at this. I'm bad at puns. Uh, Croquemon. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Yes. Okay. okay, that's excellent. Um, Chronic mm. the Blunt Hog. Wait, that's not. <laughs> that's, sorry, <laughs> something different. <laughs> what, what are video games? I can't think of Scary Mario Brothers. <laughs> Scary Mario Brothers. I will accept uh, Spooper Mario Brothers. The, the problem is I've packed up all my video games. Usually I would be looking around the room for inspiration. <laughs> Quick, just... open up Game Facts. Hit Moby Games, the <laughs> random button. I'm only near my records, which isn't helping me at all. <laughs> no. Uh, I wanted to say Altered Feast, but honestly, depending on context and cover art, that could be anything. Yeah, that's nothing. That's true. Why am I mm. thinking of only Genesis games right now? <laughs> uh, I'll allow them if you can think of a pun. That's my problem. I'm always thinking about Genesis games. Oh, God. No, we got to get some good ones in here. Uh, this this is a cheat because it's the same as something Jaffe said. Okay, never mind. But uh, we got King of Frighters. Oh, King of Frighters. That's good. I was going to say I'll King of Blighters. That. I was going to say King of Blighters. That's all I could think of. I'm like, what's King of Frighters is okay. King of Frighters. Oh, come on. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah, but I already said Street Frighter. I started with Street Frighter. So. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 
I'll take it. You got ten left in less than three minutes. No, no, we get, uh, we get, we need more time. We'll just pretend that it's uh, less. Contra hard gore. Oh, oh I like that. Go. Yes. Good. Okay, that's good. Gut scar heroes. I'll allow it. <laughs> Gut scar heroes. All right. Gut scar. It's a little gory, but I'll take it. <laughs> Our tribe. No, that's that's <laughs> Mad Magazine. <laughs> that's like Claude Ham. <laughs> the advanced gore fighter. I was going to use gore, too. No. Gore's yeah. good, right? Yeah. I think yeah. we already used that. I was going to say battle gorega. We can keep using gore. Why not? Battle gorega, then. Battle gorega. God of gore. <laughs> God of gore. God of gore. Oh, we're goring our way to the top here. We sure are. Um, Six left. Armored gore. Armored gore. Thank you. Um, blood, the disposable assassin. Oh, I like that. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, I do like that. Wait, isn't that a comic book? Was there also a game? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I'll take it. Yeah, on the Saturn, made by Sega. Now. Okay. Yeah. All right, four more. Stadium blood buggies. Okay. <laughs> Television, man. The real one. Ribs racer. <laughs> like a skeleton's ribs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Screw it, sure. <laughs> it's very good. I like I it. I want you to win. <laughs> I think it's good. Man, too many of the things I'm thinking of are already get, like trauma center. You can't make that any scary. It's already terrifying. No, you can't. What about Katamari Traumacy? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll good. give you that one. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, boo rock. That's too rock. <laughs> you really want our final thing to be boo rock? <laughs> yeah. The ghost hunter. Is that going to be what we end our Halloween well, it, special it could, on? It could, boo rock? it could be the second one, boo rock boo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's it. Boo rock boo gets you out of the castle in time just as it crumbles. <laughs> Uh, the two of you get to stare into the sunset as two it, uh, of you, two of us who died. Oh, oh Ian died. Oh, sorry. Wow. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, he's a ghost now. Re- remember how I foreshadowed that at the beginning of the episode? He's our special oh, I forgot. ghost. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He was a ghost this whole time. Dang it. Uh, <laughs> you know that would have made the the improv section a whole lot easier. <laughs> <Cheers>, monster. <laughs> hey, you didn't know yet. I'm trying to pick up this punch, but by my hands, they're passing through the, the thing. Oi! Oi! <laughs> yeah. I don't know how I, I transitioned into a different kind of a ghost, but... Uh, so, congratulations! You've saved the land from the threat of Gamer Dracula, and your reward now is that you get to speak to the people and recommend whatever stuff you want them to do over this next week, oh, yeah, uh, whether right. it be something that you're involved in or something that you like. This is the point of the show where we make our recommendations. Yeah, I needed to give another horror movie recommendation. More like and a gorer movie. Sorry. A gorer movie. Have I recommended The Void on here before? I think I did already. That's a good good movie. You recommended that to me and I enjoyed it. I don't remember if I recommended it on here. If I didn't, ah oh, no, I must have done it. I must have. It's a it's 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 good. Uh and and you should enjoy it. I will recommend Demon Wind. <laughs> which is a stupid name. Uh, it makes me think of a demon farting. In, uh, if oh, thank, thanks for clarifying. Okay. Yeah, that's what it makes me think about. Um, <laughs> the Demon Wind is, a, is a, a stupid early 90s movie where there's a, a guy who is called back to his ancestral home for some reason that I don't remember. And uh, then it's just like a door frame that's there. And he's like, oh, heck, my, my ancestral home is gone. But then he walks inside and then there is a home when you walk through the weird door frame. And it's all spooky and there's demons and they keep killing everybody that's in there. And then at some point, all of his friends that he brought with him in his SUV all die. 
And you're like, well, what's going to happen? There's 45 minutes left. But another group of his friends drives up. And then, they're, then they go in there and then they're ready to get, get killed. Um, it's, it's just like one of those, great for it. Let's do some gory stuff. Let's not care too much about this kind of movies, but it also has some good uh, good effects and things. Oh, and uh, have, I, have I recommended Death Spa? Death Spa has some problematic stuff in it, but it is a really interesting movie that is a, it's like, it's like two different movies got slapped together. And one of them is, you know, a B-80s horror film. And the other is some kind of avant-garde, like auteur cinema weird thing. And it, it occasionally has these amazing, like virtuosic, shots that are perfectly staged and then it goes back to like people getting crushed by weights in a gym in the first 30 seconds of that movie will absolutely sell you i may have i may have recommended this on the show i don't know but i have one more thing to recommend which is the thing i was trying to think of last time if you're interested in preservation of oldie times things in the general sense nah you should check out the our holy records 40th anniversary collection subtitled The Journey of Chris Drockwitz. So Chris Drockwitz is a guy from Austria, I think, or Germany, I forget, who moved to the Bay Area. And he's basically like a music Americana otaku guy. And he did this thing in the 60s where he went around rural America and also the Bay Area and just basically everywhere and was looking for people that had recorded like one or two good songs that he liked back in the forties or fifties or something. And he was trying to find them and record new stuff from them on whatever recording thing that he had. And, uh, a lot of the music is amazing. If he hadn't recorded it, it would be gone forever. And, uh, but also the stories in this collection. So it's a, it's an LP box size collection that has four CDs in it and, uh, and a big vinyl sized, um, guidebook and in it are all the stories of how he found these people and you know how like what the process was of looking for them and one example is uh there's this guy called black ace who sang a song in this collection called i am the black ace and he was down in uh texas and he was looking for a different person entirely and uh while they were trying to find this guy and the people were weren't giving him information because they thought he was like a debt collector or something. Someone once he was like, no, I was trying to record some music of his and they didn't even know he was a singer. Eventually someone was like, well, he used to hang out with Black Ace. And he's like, okay, well, who's Black Ace? And they're like, go to this bar at this time and look for a guy who's wearing a shirt that says Ace on it. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes down there and he finds, he's like, you Ace? And he's like, yeah, what do you want? And he asks if he knows this guy and he's like, yeah, I haven't seen him in a long time. And then Chris asks him if he plays music and he's like, yeah, I used to, I used to play, but uh, I don't have strings for my guitar anymore and it's up in the attic, so I can't really do it. And so Chris Drockwitz goes and buys him some strings, gives him a week to practice, and then he records this like virtuosic slide guitar thing. And it's just, it's full of stories like this. And they're so, I don't there's, there's like some rural family that all live in a single room shack and all, and, and they take care of chickens and all the chickens roost in the trees. And, uh, there's this other story where like he went back to to Austria and he was trying to record some old timey music. And so he, he was asking around like in the he's like, we got these Appalachian Mountains in, in America where there's all this music that it's basically disappeared into lore. Uh, we must have something like that here in Austria. And so he was asking around and there's these people that are like, oh, there's this old couple. They're like 90 years old. They live up on the mountain. And uh, if you're going to go talk to them, they like this particular type of red wine. So you better better bring a bottle if you're going to 
try to talk. To I don't know. Just like the whole thing is full of these kinds of boots on the ground, happy accident. Somehow they got it. Stories of preserving this old music and uh, it rules. So give that a look if you can. Frank, what you got for us? Not much. Um, I went went to a little local shop that uh, sells Halloween stuff and they had a pumpkin patch in the back. And uh, I didn't want a pumpkin. I didn't buy a pumpkin, but uh, I did go back and look at the pumpkin patch and uh, little kids picking pumpkins is, uh, is a joyous thing to see. So uh, go check that out. Yes. <laughs> Watch children is uh, Frank's recommendation. Go check out kids. Yeah, go check out strange children. Kids are cool. And they're like, you know, little five-year-old kids that are just like, yeah, this pumpkin. This is the pumpkin. It's like, oh, I don't see it, but they really see something in this pumpkin. That's uh, highly recommended. Yeah. Buy, buy some Halloween stuff for your house. Yeah. I remember why I wanted specific pumpkins back when I was five. It was like, this one would totally turn into the goblin that I am thinking. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah sure. You're like a sculptor seeing David in the rock. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to carve away everything about this pumpkin that's not that goblin, but this pumpkin is a good start. <laughs> Brandon, the specific place is next door to the, uh, the, the Ken Betts uh, car wash. Uh-huh. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So if you're in Oakland, there's a weird little local Halloween store that just has dusty inventory. And it's just like, like you can get like a children's wig from the, the John Carter movie everyone forgot about, like an official one. Oh, man. Yeah. OK, I'll check it out. Yeah. Ian, what you got? Uh, what have I been into lately? So I've been into doing this thing where like I sit around at night and I get bored and I can't focus on anything. So I think of an animal that I mm -hmm. enjoy or find interesting. And then I find a book and I start reading about them. Read um, about animals. Is yeah. So uh, Rosemary Moscone recently did a book about pigeons and uh, that one is on my list. Uh, the other one that I've been reading that's very interesting is Empire of Ants by Susan Foitzik and Olaf Freitschi. I don't know, man. Ants are really interesting. They're gross. Uh, they do a lot of interesting stuff. Did you know ants sometimes make entire nests out of themselves? I did not know that. It's disgusting. And I wish I didn't. It's, it's gross. They make entire living uh, cities out of themselves. Other ants just hook themselves to each other until they have a big ball of ants that is full of tubes and passageways where they can live. Is this before or after the movie from... Uh... Oh, wait, did you say Empire of the Ants? I just looked and I noticed that there is a movie called Empire of the Ants, but this has no relation. This is just a book. And there's also a, an H.G. Wells short story. Yeah, that's what I saw was the H.G. Wells short story. No, this is just a, 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 a nonfiction book. That movie is pretty funny. I should look into it. It's, it's really weird. It's about, um, so Joan Collins is in it having a, a career ender. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> what happens there is everybody's brought out to this like planned community out on an island um and like people are trying to sell them on the idea of this 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 island but it turns out there's giant ants there <laughs> and that's and that's not very good and then they come back to land or whatever and um and everybody's like all super into the they're like all spooked out and into the ants and it turns out ants have been passing them through like a processing facility and shooting pheromones at them so that they'll all uh, mine sugar <laughs> for, for the oh, wow <laughs> it's, it's not very good but um it's fun to describe what else have i been doing that i'd recommend we have always lived in the castle by shirley jackson is a very short book that i just read recently and honestly might be one of my favorite things i've ever read um i would highly recommend reading that i don't think anything she's written has been bad is there anything you've been involved with that uh, you'd like our listeners to check out 
I don't like to talk about myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, I do a food podcast called Extra Napkins that I have a lot of fun with. It's kind of an excuse to get together with my best friend of 25 years, chat about food, snacks, restaurants, and we get high while we do it. Um, I also do the CU podcast. That's where most people probably know me from. That is a video game related podcast. Other than that, no, I've been really, really happy just kind of keeping to myself lately. Uh, that's been great. It's not something that I've really been able to do over the past few years. Um, and I've been catching up on games and books, hence two book recommendations. I would appreciate it if you didn't lie on this show. This is the only video game podcast. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> My bad. Sorry. Uh, the only video game podcast. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, I'd just say that I recently picked up uh, Onion Games Mona Moore. I really like the stuff Onion Games does. And uh, Mona Moore is really just a... Uh, extra fancy flappy bird and somehow i've put like seven hours into it already oh, wow. so i would definitely recommend that all right i've got some recommendations uh i would like to recommend that if you're listening to this show on any platform where you can subscribe to or review podcasts that you engage with us in that way to keep the algorithms pushing us upwards and forwards you can also go to patreon.com slash insert credit where you could become a patron to submit your own topics Get our regular episodes one day early. One day earlier. <laughs> one day early. And even access monthly bonus episodes and other exclusive content. You can also join us on forums.insertcredit.com and follow us on Twitter for our own personal updates and projects. The show is at Insert Credit. I'm at Alex Jaffe. Frank is at Frank Cifaldi. Brandon is at Necrosofty. And Ian is at Pixelsicle, spelled P-X-L-S-I-C-L-E. This show is edited by Esper Quinn with music by Kurt Feldman. Uh, now's the point where we say our names in sequence. Once more, I'm Alex Jaffe. I'm first. I'm Frank Cifaldi. I'm Brandon Sheffield, who is second. I'm Ian Ferguson, who is third. And you have now completed the episode. Congratulations. Spooky. That was fun. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for joining us. You were great. I really enjoyed that. I just wish I was better on my feet, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. Well, other than the improv zone, which is always a disaster, which is the point of it, I think that episode went really well. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, that was fun.